0: Well, it's so exciting to see all of you today. Everybody looks so good, and and, and next Sunday I'm going to see your face, more, more, more of you. And I know we're we're all very uh, um, excited to go to the next phase of this um, pandemic, and it looks like we're it looks like we're coming out of it, guys. Amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you for being faithful. Oh, you've been so great as a congregation, and. And we want to really honor um, Sherry McCutcheon, my wife, and the hospitality team. Uh, They have done an amazing job this last year. Uh, I also want to honor our tech team uh, to create the live streaming and just um, all of them, the guys in the back. This has been, uh, for all of us, we're all in the same boat. It's been a hard year, very challenging. But uh, oh, I, I'm so proud of everybody and how you've, well you've done this year. Um, I, I want to give you a special announcement. Uh, I, I will read this announcement from the hospitality team uh, regarding mask wearing. We are, you are going to be permitted to come in without your mask next Sunday. Here's the, here's the message I want you to hear. As you know, May 29th marks the day many have waited for, a return to a new normal. While the state has removed all restrictions regarding COVID-19, BCC desires to continue to operate as a safe and welcoming place for all. In this regard, we'll be providing a seating area for all who need to continue to socially distance and wear masks. They will also be released before unmasked worshipers and a separate entrance will be used. So for those of you who need to keep wearing a mask and you need to socially distance, that's what we're going to do for you uh, because we, we don't, you know, we, we want to, very important for all of us, this is going to be, for some groups of people, this is going to be a, a tense time. It's going to be divisive in some, because there's going to be some people that feel like if you don't wear a mask, you don't care about humanity. And you know, some people that feel if you, if you do wear a mask, you don't have enough faith. So we don't want to go to either place. We want to operate in the love of God. We want to love and respect each other, and just like we've been doing for the last year, you guys have done a f- fabulous job with that too. I know, I know some churches have had war over the mask versus not mask, and and we have not because because of your character. So we're going to continue that way, and um, I, of course I'll be happy. And I'm, I feel like in a few weeks, all the masks will be off, and we'll be. Um, able to uh, continue. So it's it's very exciting. Let's give the Lord a hand. Uh, So we're going to get back into the series, Rediscovering God Today. And uh, I'm going to give you a few quotes today. Some of them may sound a little complex and coming from some philosophers and people who use big words. But here's what the simple thing you can keep in mind today as I preach this message, as I talk about Can we be good without God? Is so. I'm operating from the premise that Western civilization has abandoned the true God overall. We've abandoned the true God. We've replaced him with our own feelings and emotions. We've raised uh, we've raised preferences and feelings now define truth. And we feel like this. I feel like this is a big mistake. And so the reason I preach this series. Is I want to bring because I, I know that you love God, and 99.9% of you are trying to develop a relationship with God. But I also know because I live in the world like you do, we can't help but absorb the values of the culture. You can't help it. In fact, you wouldn't be normal if you didn't. In in a sense, it's a healthy thing to absorb some of the values of the culture. Uh, and and I, I'm thankful for some of the some of the ways that. Uh, that I have learned to be more sensitive about certain things and certain conversations and even certain language I will use because the culture has brought that to my attention. So I don't resist everything that the culture brings or everything the media and the arts and political world. I don't. I don't sit around and resist everything that they say. I. 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 I want to consider it. Lean in where I can. I always say lean in without falling in, and. Uh, 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 so, so you cannot help but uh, absorb the, the, some of the, the values of the culture. So uh, as, as, uh, as, we, as we look at this, let's, let's examine our hearts and say, okay, where have I gone too far in, 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 in bringing the culture into my heart? Where have I absorbed the culture too much to the point that I'm no longer in line with the word of God? I'm no longer in line with the will of God. I'm no longer in line with the structure of reality. The Bible says you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. One way to translate that word truth is the word reality. Truth is reality. It's not convenient always, it's not always what you like. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. It's just what is true. North is north, east is, east, is east and west is west. There are immutable truths in the universe. And so God is the immutable truth, the ultimate truth. So today, I'm going to begin with the question, can we be good without God? A secondary question is, where do ethics, morality, and human rights come from? Our Declaration of Independence says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So our founding fathers believed that human rights came from the Creator. If the God of the Bible isn't the source for our ethics and our morality, then the question needs to be asked, what should be? The Christian worldview is based on two foundational truths, two foundational axioms. One is that God exists. And two, that God has spoken to us in the Bible. If these two presuppositions aren't the starting point in a Christian worldview, then we're just like everyone else. We're trying to find objectivity in a sea of subjectivity. You understand the difference between objective and subjective. Objective is what is true regardless of how you feel. Subjective is, how you, how, is truth according to how you feel. In uh, Frederick Nietzsche's The Parable of Madman, he writes, The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with his eyes and said, Whither is God, he cried, I will tell you, we have killed him. All of us are his murderers. Nietzsche wrote in a time when he realized that the culture had declared that God was dead. And he, he also believed that God was dead, of course, himself. And this is, but but he, he mourned that. He mourned the death of God. Now, I believe that, that uh, Dr. James Sire really gives us a more accurate description of the current state of things. He says it this way. <clears throat> God is not dead in our culture. Only his identity has changed. The claim of autonomy for human reason has led to its own deification. In other words, we've deified our own human reasoning. Made it, made it a God. The word deity is God. And the rejection of the importance of history. The dominant God today is the cosmic spirit embodied in the self. This is just a, you know, he's a philosopher, so he has to say things in a very complicated way. I actually met Dr. Sire one time when when Jay was still a teenager. Jay Jay and I went to hear him speak at uh, Lexington Christian Academy. Tremendous guy, nice guy, and a smart guy. But he just took a more complicated way of saying, as we now define truth by our own feelings and preferences, to put it more bluntly, we have become our own gods in the culture. we become our own gods. In other words, before that, we, we remember, you, you know or you, you realize that for many, many years, before there was radar and all these uh, ways of knowing direction, sailors would would chart their course according to the North Star. Because the North Star was always, no matter what happened, the North Star was always right where it was supposed to be. And that's what we were like when we believed in, in the God of the Bible. That God was our North Star. And I'm just wanna, I just want to encourage you today to know that in, in that moral directive, we have evidence of God, and we, have, and we meet the person of God. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, But Hitler's henchman, Heinrich Himmler, unintentionally captured the dilemma of having become our own gods, our own arbiters of good and evil. He said, what after all compels us to keep our promises? Mao Zedong said, if you, who killed, by the way, killed 70 million of of his citizens. Mao Zedong said, if you tell a lie 100 times, it becomes the truth. But fear not. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't panic. I see a lot of Christians panicking right now. No, this is not time to panic. Instead, let's realize that God's moral law is woven into the structure of reality. It's deeply embedded in the human conscience. And instead of wringing our hands and and remember that humans are going to fail at replacing God... They're going to fail. It's 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 like it's like the dentist telling you 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 remember you know do you always get that speech from the hygienist? They always ask you, "Do you floss?" And I got so tired of that. I started flossing. I don't know if it does any good, but I just don't want to face the Nazi hygienist who wants to know if I floss. And you can. You know, the dentist will tell you, you need to brush your teeth, floss, don't eat eat junk all day and not clean your teeth. He doesn't care if you ignore him. Because if you ignore him, you're going to give him even more business. (laughs) Your teeth are going to rot. And so don't worry about God. Don't worry about his well-being. Worry about your own. God is fine. He sits on the throne. And if you read the Bible, it says, He that sits in the heaven laughs. Laughs. He that sits in the heaven laughs. God is laughing at our attempt to replace him with our own feelings and emotions. Amen. So don't panic and don't worry. Though there are things to be concerned about. God is in our hearts, whether we like it or not, to a certain extent. Romans, in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says... That when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciousness also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. What he's saying there is we know there's a God because people feel guilty. Guilty. Oh, guilty, that's very unhealthy, right? No. There, there is an unhealthy guilt. There is an unhealthy kind of shame. But there's also a very healthy kind of guilt. There is a kind of guilt that's a signal that God cares about humanity and cares about the way we treat one another. Amen? Amen? I love the little book of Micah. It's a time when uh, Israel's history, when when they were living... Uh, I would say like some today as functional atheists. They were mistreating their spouses. The, the, the religious leaders were enriching themselves and taking advantage of the people. Uh, they were uh, hurting and abusing one another. You, it's a little book, you can read it in one setting, and you can see all the things that are going on in that culture. And it causes Micah, this country prophet who lived in a, he wasn't like Isaiah, who was a high class prophet. Who used big words, He was a country prophet. And so he got right to the point, and he said, in Micah, Micah chapter 6 verse 6: 8, and if you've been around the church long, you know this is a favorite passage of Christians, "What shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil, of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Just underline that sentence with me. He has shown you, O man, what is good. Part of the reason, one of the great reasons that you know there's a God is because you can see what is good and what is evil. You can see. uh, Think about every time that you complain about someone else's behavior, someone else's wrong behavior toward you. I dare say that you won't get through a day of your life that you don't complain about how someone is treating you or your children or somebody else in your life who decided that there was a wrong way for you to be treated. Who decided there was a right way for you to be treated? Who came up with the idea of morals and ethics and good and bad and good and evil? God is revealed in his rules. I know this is, this is different. We're not taught today to look for God in the commandments. We're not taught to look for God in, in his great moral and ethics. We're taught to look for God in other places that, that are legitimate, by the way. We're taught to look for God in worship music. We're taught to look for God in solitude. We're taught to look for God in nature. That's fine. Those are good. There's a thousand ways to know God. That's the good news. I'm just going to tell you that one of the great ways to know God is to know him through his rules and his commandments. So, so God is manifest and revealed in his rules. He's manifest in his moral directives. God calls out from his commands. God shows up in his script. For human flourishing, God is present in his precepts. You know what precepts are? Precepts is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. Here's one. Innocent until proven guilty. That's a precept. Aren't you glad for precepts? Aren't you glad for that? So let me talk to you about why this is so important. Number one, God's moral directives declare his existence. Romans chapter 7, verse 7 says, I would not have known sin had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Listen to this astounding statement in the Edinburgh Review in 1871 in response to Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. Here's what they said. This is back in 1871. And this was in the very beginning. If Darwin's theory is right, a revolution in thought is imminent, which will shake society to its very foundation by destroying the sanctity of conscience and religious sense. Now, you might come to know God's morality, objective morality in a lot of ways, from your parents, from your teachers, from society sometimes, from your own conscience, and you can know it while, you, while denying that God exists. But that's like saying you can know what a book says while denying there's an author. Of course you can do that, but there would be no book to know unless there was an author. In other words, atheists can know objective reality while denying God exists, but there can be no objective morality unless God exists. Amen. Now there are three options that present themselves there's no more than that but i'm just going to mention three options that present yourself present to you if god is if god does not exist one is what richard dawkins has talked about he's a famous atheist that there is no objective morality previous societies would have called this moral relativism there is no objective morality your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, whatever works for you, whatever works for me, doesn't matter. Here's what Doc, Doc, Dawkins said Dawkins said the universe we observed has precisely the properties we would expect. If there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA is just, DNA just is, and we dance to its music. That's what Richard Dawkins says. But then he contradicts himself because he says, Dawkins goes on to say that you, if you raise your child as a Christian, that is child abuse. And, 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 and very disturbingly, and you will rightly be disturbed when I say this, Richard Dawkins also says that if you, if, if you knowingly give birth to a Down syndrome child, you are immoral. Now that, that's shocking, I understand. But, but kind of look beyond the shocking part of it for a minute and think of the contradiction. The contradiction is he says we just should dance to the music of our DNA, but yet he has established a system of right and wrong in his own mind. Where did that come from? That he believes there's right and he believes there's wrong. Now he's really screwed up in what he thinks is right and wrong. But nevertheless, he cannot help. He cannot help and he cannot help but but believe that there is right and wrong. And I I was amused a couple of years ago when I saw on Twitter where Richard Dawkins had tweeted out that the the Islam had taken over the Catholic cathedral near his house, and he didn't get to hear the church bells anymore. And Richard Dawkins, this uh, angry atheist, was lamenting that he no longer got to hear the church bells that he enjoyed hearing. Well, I I thought to myself, well, Mr. Dawkins, you're the one of the reasons the church bells aren't ringing anymore. We can't deny the existence of God. He's everywhere. Another uh, substitute for God is science, reason, and rationale. Now, this is actually one of Dawkins' partners in crime, Sam Harris, believes this. Sam Harris said, the answer to the question, what should I believe and why should I believe it, is generally a scientific one. Believe a proportion because it, will, it is well supported by theory and evidence. Believe it because it's been extremely verified. Believe it because a generation of smart people have tried their best to falsify it and fail. Believe it because it is true or seems so, he says. Now, this theory that... You know, what he believes, what, what Sam Harris believes, that our brains evolve. Because if he believes, of course, Darwinistic evolution. Our brains evolve, so we become more and more moral naturally as society progresses. And if we will just wait, if we will just wait, we will reach utopia. If we just wait and listen to our own brains. I, I, I can tell you that my brain has said some crazy things. I don't know about you. But, but what, about, what about all the people who suffer while we're waiting to evolve? Uh, has, has the correlation between fatherlessness and every single positive social metric made us any more pro-family? Was Nazi, was Nazi Germany less evolved than we are? Were they? Think about this for a minute. Just, just think with me for what Hitler did and, and, and the genocide that they committed. They were not a backward, illiterate, non-scientific population when they committed this suicide. They were highly evolved. Where is there one single example of elite brains creating healthy, life-affirming moral goodness? Jeffrey Epstein... Watched the docu- I watched the documentary on Epstein a few weeks ago. He was brilliant. Jeffrey Epstein was absolutely brilliant. He was a genius, but yet he was a moral moron. Where, where would anyone think that brilliance and and I don't even, I don't believe the brains evolve. I believe God designed us. But who would ever think? that through, through scientific exploration and conversation, we could create a morality that works for the world. It, it never has worked out that way. Now, here's, here's, here's the one that I think most people really believe in, and it's what we call the social consensus and the progressive narrative. Philosopher John Rawls believed that morality is the product of a rational discussion and choice. He argues that once we agree to use only rational, neutral arguments, then we begin. Be, then we can begin to build a consensus, to find solutions that work for all people. In other words, we talk to each other, and boy, are we ever talking to each other! I just didn't. You just know that we were going to create a just and wonderful moral society if we ever had a means of actually talking to one another night and day, 24-7, and really share our thoughts with one another. How many of you just believe that if we ever had the technology that we could really get into one another's minds and hear the profound moral of goodness in each other's minds, that we would create utopia overnight? Oh, that's right. We had that. It's called the Internet. We... We have Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and, and all those other stuff and TikTok videos. We are communicating like crazy. Are we getting any better? Where are we How is this doctor, I'm not Dr. Phil, but if I were Dr. Phil, I would say, "How's that working out for you?" <laughs> Greg Epstein is the humanist chaplain at Harvard University. Now we have a humanist chaplain. That's what we need, right? That's like like they said about the atheist at his funeral, all dressed up and no place to go. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Epstein is the um, humanist chaplain at Harvard University, and this is a very long quote, so uh, uh, I believe it will be in your notes on the app if you want to capture it. What is truly important, he says, is to assert loudly and boldly that we have a dramatically different way of understanding the world in human values. Humanism holds that we don't need God to find our way through life. Instead, we are individually responsible for choosing our life's goals and values while striving to be rational and considerate toward others. We question everything, including our own questions. I like that. I just got to pause there for a minute. We question everything, including our own questions. And we search for many ways as we can to confirm or deny our intuitions. We have no holy books meant to be taken at face value or blindly obeyed. We are open to revising any conclusion we have made if new evidence appears to contradict it. However, we also recognize that there can and often is a point where sufficient evidence has been gathered on a certain subject to make a reversal of, a, of views extraordinary and unlikely. And where the explanation we have pieced together works extremely well, this is certainly the case with whether the sun will rise tomorrow, and it is equally true for evolution and about our basic picture of the origins of the universe. Now, as you can imagine, I have a few problems with Pastor Epstein's moral theory. First of all, as I said earlier, it it allows for centuries of crushing oppression and victimization while we figure out whether it's wrong or not. Because it, it it allows for society time to make up its mind. And you know what it uh, you know what it really does? It bothers me. Uh, I, I it creates something that I read the other day. Somebody called it chronological snobbery. <laughs> what what that means is the belief that as we advance in time, we are necessarily more moral and more. Good, there's more goodness because of time. And the ideas that we have now, the progressive ideas that we have now, are way better than the, any idea that could have been had a 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 300 years ago. In other words, we have absolutely nothing to learn from history. We have nothing to learn from, from history because we are, we are too far advanced to learn anything from history because there was never any fixed truth. There was never any fixed fixed uh, uh, moral or, and, 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 and the golden rule and things like that. I don't know what we do with them because they were said so long ago. I don't know how they could even apply today, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What do we do with that because it was said 2,000 years ago? Surely it's out of date now. We've gone. Wh- but what have we gone on to that's better than that? What have we gone on to that's better than the golden rule and how to treat other people? What is this advancement that this guy's talking about? I don't see it, do you? And this, you know, think about this. If human rights are created by the majority, then there's nothing to appeal to once they're legislated out of existence. Th- Thursday, there was a hearing on sex ed in the public schools. I not know, some of you may have been aware of that. I- Wrote a few emails to senators about it, my feelings about it. But it basically, it basically takes the right uh, of choosing sex ed curriculum away from the local school districts and gives it to the state. And that was at a hearing about that the other day. And so, uh, if that becomes the consensus and that gets voted in, did you get to be a part of that consensus? It's a myth. In in the 20th century, consensus has been a devastating moral guide. Atheist leaders, including Lenin, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Paul Poi Pot, Ho Chi Minh, Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, and many more, under the banner of consensus, yes, they brought their people to consensus of creating and being for the common good. And you know what they did? They justified murdering more than 200 million people. The names I just mentioned and a few others—they killed over 200 million of their own people in the 20th century, and that's within a 400-year period. Now I know you're going to hear—you're uh, going to hear this thing—and and that religion has killed more people than any other way of thinking. Have you ever, ever heard that? That religion kills. Religion is the source of violence but but you need to you need to be armed with some facts and here 's the facts here 's the absolute facts. every name that I mentioned, all those world leaders that I mentioned were all atheists, and they built cultures that banned churches, shut churches down, kill Christians, put people to death for having faith and for not making the government their god so like I said they th- those governments uh, Killed over 200 million people in 400 years. Now, if you if you if you believe that the Crusades were a Christian um, uh, action, the action of Christians, and and it's 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 debatable, but okay, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that that the Crusades were 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 the acts of Christians. The Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, the Ku Klux Klan and the Salem witch trials. Over 4,000 years of those movements, they killed less than 5 million people. Atheist, Atheist organizations, let me say it to you again, in 400 years killed, murdered over 200 million people. Movements that can be associated with Christianity and the Bible and people who believed in God over 4,000 years, kill less than 5 million people. So is it really true that religion is the greatest killer and the greatest source of violence? I'm telling you, it's a lie that you have been told over and over again, and it's used by so many people, and, you know, we just need to stand up and say, no, it's not true. Let me say this. By the way, China claims... We talk about consensus. China claims that the idea of human rights is a Western notion and that we're attempting to force the rest of the world, which amounts to cultural imperialism. And, and that's, just the, that's just the truth, man. And let me say this, though, because maybe you're here today and you don't believe in God. And maybe you have family members that don't believe in God. Let me say something very clear that christians are not intrinsically superior to atheists and humanists we simply have a better god than the god of self and we are not saying that when i ask the question can you be good without god i am not saying i'm not saying that you can you, that, that that an atheist can't be a good person no, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, uh, you know, I've known, uh, I've known some Christians in the trades that were more difficult to deal with than atheists in the trades. We all know that. Okay, we all know some Christian that, that we'd, we'd rather have an atheist as our neighbor than him. Right? Even though he believes in God and reads the Bible every day and quotes scripture, we would rather have a humanist or an atheist living next door to us than that dude, than that brother, right? We know that. So it's not a matter of, of you can't be... You, you, yes, you can be good without God. But you can't justify being good without God. Right. I said you can't justify being good without God. God is your only justification for being good. That's why we need Him, Amen? Next, even more important than the chaos we avoid, is that we rediscover the inner beauty and desirability of God in his moral directives. Psalms chapter 119 verse 14 says, rejoice in, I rejoice in following your statutes, as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Psalms 119 says, I will walk about in freedom, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Romans 7.22 is, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. What what I'm challenging you today is get to know God through his commandments and discover what an awesome God you serve. The psalmist and the apostle are both saying when we researched the commandments and we found they were not mere restrictions on humans, but a reflection of who God actually is. Don't you love it when you find out that God's telling me I need to do this, this, and this, and I learn that he does this, this, and this? I learn that's who he is. My, uh, everybody's familiar with Chick-fil-A, right? And uh, I, I'm voting that Chick-fil-A run the world. I, I really think that. <laughs> right, Mike? I mean, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not because the food is the greatest, because it's not the greatest food in the world, but but the fact that in a a pandemic, you can get your food, and you get this long line, and you drive up there, and in 10 minutes, you got your food. It's amazing. Hallelujah. Yes. (laughs) Give God the glory. Well, Mark Cathy is grandson of Truett Cathy, the founder, and uh, they have a relationship with my brother's ministry in Atlanta. They're from Atlanta. And my brother was telling me a a few months ago, Mark Cathy comes into the center there, and he's walking around. And there was a piece of trash on the floor. And here's a guy, uh, head of a multi-multi-billion dollar corporation. And he goes over, and he picks up the trash. And he goes and puts it in the garbage can. And Josh Bray, the director, told my brother, he I man, I got got busted, didn't I? Mark Cathy comes in because not only do they tell their employees to do stuff, that's what they are. And I talked to the owner of the two of the uh, um, Chick-fil-A's in our area. I had happened to sit with him at a dinner a few months ago. And he was telling me when one of the Kathys show up at their place, they will go out and pick up cigarette butts off the parking lot. You know what's exciting about the commandments of God? You know what's exciting about the commandments of God? When He says to me, "Be faithful." He says to me, "Be to be true." He says to me, "to love my neighbor as myself." When He, when he says to me to live right and morally, when he, when he says to me, "To be honest and to be kind." And, and says, don't steal, don't take what belongs to other people, when he says to me, don't even desire what other people have, don't even covet somebody else's success, and don't even covet what somebody else's, and when he says, don't, 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 and thou shalt not, and a lot of people think that's just so negative to, 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 to read all the thou shalt nots in the scripture, but you know what's really cool and what's really exciting is when I read all those things, it's just a revelation of what God is like. God is faithful. God doesn't steal. God, d- doesn't, d- God is not jealous. When I'm successful and I do well, God high-fives me, and he doesn't, he's not jealous of my success. God is revealed in the law. And, and even in the evangelical church, we, 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 we're so afraid that people will accuse us of preaching salvation by works. We're so afraid that people will accuse us of not preaching grace and that, that we that we miss the point. The law, the commandments are what the commandments are what cause grace to make sense. Grace doesn't make any sense if there aren't a bunch of rules that I've broken all of them. Because there's a bunch of rules and I've broken most of them in my life. And and you know there's 623 commandments that the Pharisees had come up with. I think I probably broke about 500, you know. And 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 you know but God says I'm not going to hold that against you because I'm instead of sending you to, to your death, I'm going to send my son to your to his death and I'm going to make him die for you. Yeah. And I'm telling you grace would make no sense if there was no law. Grace would make no sense if there were no commandments. It would make no sense if I was not a commandment breaker. That's what I am in my nature. And God sends Jesus to save me from my terrible, you know, I, I, I know the problem of self-righteousness. It's a real problem in the church. Self-righteousness is a real problem. But let me tell you, we're all down in the pit. We're all down in the pit, and 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 down in this pit. Some of you are four foot six, and another person six foot four. And the six foot four person can think, "I'm way above everybody else," but no, you're still in the pit. And the only person getting you out of the pit is Jesus. And the only way you can get out of the pit is to have the cross applied to your life. So 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 that's why that's why we've got to fix this in the church. We've got to fix this hatred of the commandments. We got to fix this hatred of law. Paul said, The law is good. The law revealed my sin. You remember, some of you are old enough to remember the high karate commercial? Thanks, I needed that. (laughs) Paul said, Thanks, I needed that. I'm telling you, I want to see the church get back to a love of holiness again, and a love of purity, and a love of true greatness. All this. Garbage, and I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to talk about what goes on when pastors fail and Christian leaders fail. But there's been some really high-profile Christians who leaders who fail morally lately, and I wonder if part of the problem is we have stopped, stopped elevating and honoring the moral, the moral directives of God. That, that we have been so worried that somebody's going to accuse us of not preaching grace, that, we, that we, we have, we've not only said that God is love, we started to preach that love is God. And love is not God. Love is just a part of God. That's who He is. God is God. Amen. God is God. And that's all, you know, in the end, that's all I need to know. Let me bring this to a close. Is there a danger in trying to be good? Yes, there is. We can become prideful. We can become self-righteous. Everyone knows, Everybody knows someone who is so self-righteous that you just pray that they will spectacularly and publicly embarrass themselves with some sinful behavior so they will come off their high horse. right? So trying to be good has its risk unless we constantly bow in worship before the only source of goodness in the universe, our great God and wonderful Heavenly Father, like I said a moment ago, we're all down in that pit, but Jesus came to earth to rescue us out of that pit of sin. That is our only hope. So, so be good, but give God all the glory. I am what I am by the grace of God. Good people, even the snobbish moralists, help keep the world running. But the great people in the world are the ones who not only behave well, but they constantly point away from their, their own selves to the mercy of God. They 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 constantly, they constantly see, see the Bible says straight as the gate narrows the way, and great people say thank you God for showing me the straight gate in the narrow way, thank you. I wouldn't even know where I need to change. If it not, wasn't for your mercy and grace. Come and go with me. Come on come and go with me to my father's house today. That's what I'm inviting you to. I don't want this message this morning to just give you a few defending of the faith points, a few points to argue with somebody else. Though that's okay if it, if it gave you a couple of things that you could argue with the person who's telling you Christianity, religions what's killed more people than anything else. So if I gave you something, you write that down and you use it on your person at work. Go ahead. But I have failed this morning, if that's all I do. In this series, if all I did was make you a better arguer for your faith. No, my goal this morning is to make you a worshiper of God. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. Can we just stand? I want to pray with you right now. Somebody in this room needs to receive Jesus as their personal Savior. Maybe somebody just woke up to realize that you are a lawbreaker and that God's law is beautiful and you've broken it and you've shamed him and you've broken his heart and you want to fix that right now. Well, the only way to fix it is Jesus. The only way to fix it is Jesus. So I want you to confess that Jesus is your personal Savior Let's just pray this prayer with me, everybody. Everybody pray. I know know a lot of you won't need to pray it, but maybe that one person, that one lady or, or man or young person needs to pray it for the first time. Heavenly Father, I love your law. I love your commandments. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. I have broken your law, and I need your love and forgiveness. And I received Jesus as my sacrifice, my sacrifice for sin. And so Jesus is now my righteousness. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I don't want to quit, so I'm going to just walk away.